And we're back. I'm back. Kel's on the mic, fresh off a, a big lift. You know, got somebody's got a lift around here. I know Mark's not. Whoa, whoa, I know whoa, Sam's not. Whoa, that's heinous. Oh, my bad. Definitely yeah. am. Just right. not in the Fair gym. Enough. Fair enough. Right. Marky, how we doing? Doing solid. Doing solid. Probably not off a fresh lift like me. Off a fresh meal. Had a lift beforehand. No. It's just, no. It's not a veteran move. I mean, I had lunch. Work out, then eat. I had lunch, and then work out, I then worked eat. out. So you, what do you want me to do? Eat, eat, work out? Is that what you want me to do? We got to have a little something beforehand. Why not work out, or not eat, work out, What eat. we're failing to talk about, somebody's not as committed to the process as Sammy Sam Koenig. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he, he's not, he's not going to be on the podcast today. And that is because... Not on the pod. That is because he's actually cooler than us because he's about to go he's preparing to you know gotta take his physical so he can go you know compete for a, a national championship you know hockey. i remember those days three top eights really oh yeah i was gonna say uh three top eights i, I mean, was gonna say top eights that's i mean he's right i, mean, I lost to farmingdale twice by a goal all right kids a natty champ are you in division three <laughs> <laughs> smell <laughs> Hey, still counts, rings a ring. He's got one, you don't. I mean, he lost to him by like six. I lost to him by one, twice. It's fair. When PJ was there. PJ wasn't even there and he got smelled. It's fair. I'm, got, so, I'm sorry. We got a lot I'm of... just absolutely roasting Sam. I'm so sorry. But yeah, moving on. All right, we got a lot of blue <laughs> stuff to cover because uh, July 6th-ish was the last time uh, we, we've come to you. Uh, so why don't we uh, get caught up on, on the signings, give our little two cents here. Uh so July 3rd, I believe, I don't know if we covered this on the pod, we had Chris Butler retire. Huge blow to the organization. Uh, I think the only reason we won the Cup was because, you know, he gave that, you know, pretty monumental speech. Um, Got the boys going. Mid-seas when he was actually on the squad. Yeah, wasn't that after the, was that after the fight? Uh, I don't remember when it, it was. It was definitely after the fight, but he, he gave a, his pretty honest opinion. Honestly, I'd love to see it, but uh, yeah, it came beauty St. Louis kid, and, uh, you know. Yeah. I don't know what he's moving on to do. Um, I mean, that guy's probably going to coach hockey. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll see him on a AAA Blues roster as yeah. assistant coach. Yeah, 100%. Uh, July 8th, we had Zach Sanford sign a two-year, uh, $3 million deal with the Blues, one and a half a year. I'm down. Uh, I'm very down. Um, I'm, I am a big You're Zach Sanford. I'm, I'm actually guy. like in a socially unacceptable level of a Zach Sanford fan. That is so fair. Like it's yeah. like, what is this guy's why, deal with Zach Sanford? Why do I? Why does he love? Does the guy Zach so Sanford much? D- is like he blackmailing me? Kind <laughs> of. Do I have to pump his tires? Yeah, exactly. Is his dad just <laughs> blackmailing him that you have to pump his tires on the Chirp podcast? Yeah, maybe yeah, it's possible. I'll take it. Yeah, fair. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, I, I love the deal he did score uh, in the Stanley Cup final. He did. Uh, in that in that clinching game, 
you know, we were going to win anyways, but oh, yeah, I mean, the fourth one will never hurt. No, no, not at all. You had that Especially dish. You had that dish to 90 in game five. Dish to 90 was disgusting. The no legs. Look. Almost backhand enough. toe. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I guess since you brought up 90, it's a good time to bring up that uh, 90s father, Brian O'Reilly, is our guest on the podcast today. What a fucking human. Yeah. Uh, sports uh, internal psychologist. Coach, literally, sports, sports performance coach. I don't know. You you could listen to the whole interview. It's about an hour long, and you'll feel like you've uh, actually like figured life out for about twenty minutes, and then that wears off, and you're like, "Holy shit, that guy was way smarter than me." I'll never get yeah, to that literally, level. yeah, no, on a whole. I thought level. I had life figured out for about ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I tried to like, like, you know, how when you're talking to somebody, and you think you know where they're going, and you're just like, "Oh yeah," like it's it's understandable, and he's just like, "Well, no," and he's like, "We hit it off real well in the conversation." Yeah. And afterwards, you're like. Holy shit. And information overload, first of all. Because oh, he just my. threw everything at the... Ki- you ask him one question, he goes for like 10 minutes. Yeah. He was you unreal, though. Let's put it this way. You will not hear me, Keller, or Sam very much in the interview. And I'm sure that's, that's not fine. a problem for any of you. That's fine. Because I a wouldn't hear my voice. Uh, and he got pretty honest about a, a lot of Ryan's he career. He really did, yeah. And, uh, and uh, in his life, too, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but Snook, right? Snook. Snook is Ryan's nickname. You'll hear that. Um, I mean... I knew that beforehand. I don't think you two did. I, and he I, started t- calling him that. No idea he didn't who that refer was. to him as Ryan off the hop. And he kind of was like, oh, my bad. You know. Ryan. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, fair. I picked up on it, but, you know, I've only heard it a couple times. So, uh, anyways, uh, moving on. Zach Sanford, good enough. Should be on the squad, obviously, if you're going to sign a guy to a million and a half a year. He's going to play. He's going to play. Probably third line, I would bet. It's fine with me. Uh,. Mitch Ranky was one of our RFAs, one year, 750K. He's good. Yep. Um, should contend for a roster spot. I could see him starting in the AHL, though. I really could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But um, Because you don't want to really call him up and have him be like a permanent seventh man. That's No, not... he'll, be, uh, he'll be, remember when Vince was kind of breaking in the league? Yep. He was kind of up, down, up, down. That's kind of what I see Ranky doing. Well, Vince wasn't even really up, down. He kind of broke out with... Uh, um, well, I know Edmondson and Pareko never really were in the AHL. No, they were here. They were. I, th- they, I think they played one year there, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then and then Vince was. I mean, he might have gone up down a little bit, but not he's a sick. lot. He's yeah, sick. He's so gross. He yeah. Uh, but yeah, I see. I see Mitch kind of being the first guy to get called up this year. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but anything to happens start, to he'll a be D-man, down there. It'll be Mitch. Yeah. Quarterback a peeper. Uh, won't see a ton of ice time, but a lot of ozone starts. Right hand shot too hurt, uh, helps a lot. Yeah, I was about to and say hurts. And, and that's why he's not going to be up to start the season because we got a couple guys that might be able to do their, that oh, job. Twenty-seven on, on the right side. Yeah, yeah, just goodbye. Yep. Uh, literally not even going to discuss the Dakota Joshua trade because I mean, I, I, guys never going to sniff this. I got nothing. Guys never going to sniff the show probably. But you know what? That's going to make for a great soundbite when he turns into an NHL all-star. Super, all-star. Super fair. Robbie Fabry, Blues decided to commit to him for another year for a little less than a million dollars, 900000 Um I don't know how much longer the experiment's going to go on along. I mean, I love Robbie Fabry. I just yeah, want him to he's a beauty. just turn into a consistent NHL or at, at, uh, even Play that. Play on my third line. I don't uh, care. My gauge for him has completely changed, and... and it should for most people, if you're logical. Like he's not going to turn into the the sixty point guy that he was. Kind he looked of, like yeah. he looked like. 
Um, but it's not going to lead your team in, to playoff scoring. You can chip in 30 points a year, like after two ACL tears. Super I okay mean, with that. Yeah. I mean, people forget Scotty Upshaw was the fucking man oh, when yeah. he was like young and breaking into the league. PTO in Dallas, by the way. I know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Sagan and Uppy roaming the towns yep. of Dallas. Watch <laughs> out all of Dallas's girlfriends. But uh, what I was getting ready to say is like, he tore his ACL, I believe, more than once. And uh, it kind of forced him to to kind of change his play style and you know force him into more of a bottom six role for his career. But he was fucking nasty at it, and he made the most of it. And guy's still playing hockey. Beauty. So, yep. Love uh, that. Hopefully, hopefully Robbie uh, is able to put something together this year and uh, just ultimately stay healthy and, and see consistent ice time. It's going to be hard to do on this team because it's a returning Stanley Cup roster. That's um, fun to say. Minus one guy. Uh, so I guess it's good time to s- talk about Pat. Uh, left one year $900,000 to uh, Tampa. Um, a lot of people are chalking back-to-back cups for them. I like the signing for them. They've never had anybody like him in this little era that they have with this core group. But I'm not going to be so quick to say back-to-back because, I mean, if you have one guy like him, I mean, he's going to make a difference. They but got I, don't Kalorn. How, I don't know how much of a difference. They got Kalorn. Kind of same player. Lefty. Yeah, yeah. Big. Pat's obviously. He's better than Kalorn. Pat's, Pat's not the most, like, when we say Pat's physical, Pat's physical in the sense that he doesn't really, like, hammer you. His, his hit totals you, He just uses his size yeah, really his well. his hit totals aren't, aren't really that big. People, you know, I think he's 6'4", 225. It kind of gets overshadowed that, like, you know. He hammers people. Yeah, he really does. He's no. just a phenomenal puck protector with his no, body. I, I could see him playing with like, picture him playing with like Braden Point and Yanni Gord. It's a decent line. Braden yeah. Point is like what Robert Thomas should be, almost. And, and if Rob I mean, could be better than Point, but Point is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Granted, they still have to sign him, but I mean they got like ten mil in space. They're gonna sign him. Yeah. So. So we'll see. Um, after Robbie Fabry. We had the big one land, Jordan Bennington, two years, 4.4 a year for a total of $8.8 million. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, too. Uh, I'm glad we didn't go one year, and I think that was important to Bennington because he didn't want the, the He doesn't pressure. need to prove himself, either. He came off a Stanley Cup season. There's already going to be pressure to do it again. Call their nomination. So you don't want to have to force the guy to put, like, Oh, I'm playing for a contract also this added year. Added in his, yeah, added in his head. On top of, hey, we need to. With how mental goaltending is, you don't want to pile yeah. on. So I think that'll be good for him. 4.4 is not going to hurt yourself. A lot of people are like, oh, we got fucking. Nah, him and his, him and his roommate will be just fine. Yeah. A lot of people are saying we got 8.8 now in goaltending. It's like that's nowhere near the worst in the NHL. Not even close. There's so many puke contracts for goaltenders in the NHL. Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, they have like 11 mil tied up. Because they just signed Leonard a five, yeah. a five mil one year deal, and yep. Corey's already making like six. Carey Price makes ten by himself. <laughs> Rightfully so, the guy's one of the best <laughs> goaltenders of all time. But if you're gonna bitch about eight million tied up and and one of these guys just carried you to a Stanley Cup, yeah, what cup? So, Carey Price making ten million. What the fuck have they done? Yeah, I mean nothing. No. So Dustin Tokarski got them as far as Price did. <clears throat> That's tough. It's you sent me good. that clip the other day, and I people forget Dustin Tokarski. People Tukars- forget Dustin Tokarski. <laughs> <laughs> people do forget Dustin Tokarski. For a good reason. I mean, very good reason. So, uh, obviously, Jordan Bennington's probably not going to go sub-two on the goals against and a 930 save percentage again. 
But, you know, I'm not really expecting severe aggression from him. So. No, it'll be like 920s, 2.1, 2.2. Yeah. Steady goaltender, and that's just how he is as a person, it seems like. So, makes sense. Yep. Checks out. Uh, Blues re-up with Vili Huso for goaltending depth. Um, obviously, he got passed up by Bennington this year. Um, he'll be in the AHL again. Hopefully, he has a bounce-back year because this past year was... Oh my! One Peter of Kidding. the worst <laughs> years I've seen, and I think a lot of it has to do with adjusting to um, new system. Uh, you know, they brought in a new coach the first year of uh, kind of just the Blues running their own operation. Yeah. So uh, um, I just, I mean, eventually, all I'm looking for now that we see what Bennington is and what he will be, like he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he signed a two-year deal, but after that two years, he's going to get like a five-year, seven mil, something like that. All I'm looking for Huso to be is his backup. If Philly Huso can be a serviceable backup for Jordan Bennington. And one of those guys is going to get traded eventually, Fitzpatrick or Huso. Well, it's one of those two. Yeah, yeah, one, one of those two guys going to get traded, and one of them is going to end up being. And Fitzpatrick has time on his side because he's only, what, 19 years old? And he's decent. And he's sick. He's still ripping up the uh, duh. He's in the O. Is it O? I'm not sure. Shit, I don't remember. Eh, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, I think Huso, you know, he'll he'll be at the at the AHL level. He'll start this year because we don't have that sorry fuck Jerry or Jared Coro. Jared Coro to kind of steal starts. He played well last year, which kind of sucks because he's twenty eight and he was playing well, so they kept playing him because it's like fuck, like I mean, we Huso's like to win games and, and Fitzpatrick. Huso 18. was hurt, and yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Huso bounces back. Bounces back. Obviously, not going to have as bad as a season as he did last year because that's going to be tough it's to impossible. replicate but uh I, I do expect a bounce back season from him so hopefully eventually year or two down the road when jake's contract's up um he'll be ready one of them at least sure as fuck hope, Fucking so. hope so uh after him we had oscar sunquist four years 11 million that is i believe yes it is 2.75 million on the nose a year i love this deal oscar sunquist is our swiss army knife uh Facts. But what's great about that is he's not even our best Swiss Army knife. That's Ryan O'Reilly. We know that. So we have two Swiss Army knives. A lot of teams don't have those. Oscar Sundquist can play pretty much anywhere. Obviously, you're not going to put him on your top line because 90. But, uh, you know, lines two through four, he'll play anywhere. And, and, and kill penalties. And, yeah, and kill penalties. And, fuck, if you put him on the power play, I could see him being effective still. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and put him in front of the cage; he'd be annoying as shit. He's he's just he's one, he's slowly become one of my favorite players uh, to watch. Sorry. Obviously, guys uh, and fans are drawn to people that just max effort. He's one of those guys. Barbashev's one of those guys, and uh, O'Reilly's one of those guys. Not shocked. Those three guys have kind of won the fans over because um, they're max effort guys, and uh, you know, fans are, are drawn to guys who who do that. And uh, if you're not giving max effort. Don't want you on my squad. I mean, I'm just not gonna like you. It's super fair. <laughs> I, I'm paying a fuck ton of money to come watch you. Guys. Yeah, it, I, I need effort. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> fact uh, checked. Fact check on Fitzpatrick. He's 21, by the way. 21. I thought he was 19. Oh well. Yeah. Him and Huso. Huso's so. 24. So yeah. it's like mm, I mean, he still got time on his side. He's 20 AHL. But I uh, I know of a 25 year old who just won the Stanley Cup. So <laughs> facts. <laughs> uh. So, overall, Sunquist loved the deal. I think he'll end up playing second and third line minutes, you know, just 
wherever he's needed this year. I think they're going to, you know, that fourth line we'll was move good. him around. That fourth line was good this year in the playoffs with him on it, but he's not going to play fourth. He's line not going to play fourth line, especially with Pat gone now. Especially with Pat gone, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, Blues finally move on from the Jordan Schmaltz. Goodbye, <laughs> Jesus. Christ. I think it was probably a year or two over overdue for his sake. And for our organization's sake, I mean, when you when you have a guy like that in your system, I think you're just kind of clinging on to a sliver of hope. And at some point, you just gotta get the roster jam kind of cleaned cleaned up. And, and the Blues Give the did kid that. Get a different chance. Like I mean, yeah. you gotta think like he he kind of knows like I'm not getting anywhere at this organization. I want. I mean, fuck. Else. He looks up. He's a right-handed D-man. Yeah. I mean, where the fuck are you gonna go? And, he, and he's not like Ranky in the sense where like he's a spe- he can be a specialist. No, he's just a guy. Yeah. He, he's he moves pucks. Moose kind pucks, of. kind of. <laughs> kind of digs in the corners. Doesn't really, like, skate, like, S- tremendously well. well. No. Uh, don't really want him killing penalties. <laughs> I mean, he's playing 11 minutes. Max. Max. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all jokes aside, I, I do wish him the best in Toronto. Blue's got Andreas, uh, Andreas Borgman in return. That guy moves pucks up the ice by himself or with... Or like skating the puck, he's or Swedish? yes, I mean, come on, fair. I mean, he could be Swiss, I guess. Could but. be Swiss, yeah. But um, I saw a few highlights of his. Uh, he uh, tremendous skating ability. He seems more offensive minded. So uh, we'll see what he has in store. Anything if he gives us any sort of NHL service time, uh, I see it as a win because you uh, you traded a career AHL defenseman for him. So uh, there we'll you see go. Me grind. Uh, Blues top draft selection this year, Nikita Alexandrov, uh, which was actually a second rounder because the Blues didn't have a first. Uh, Thank you, 90. He signed his ELC, so he'll be somewhere in our system, I believe, this coming year. Um, And then uh, Joel Edmondson was awarded $3.1 million in arbitration. Just to kind of recap it all, that was the last move. Um, a lot of fans complaining that, uh, you know, probably a little too much because of, you know, he had kind of a down year. He made $3 million and people saw it as a steal last year. That's what he was awarded in arbitration. This year he files for 4.2, team files at 2.4. They give him dead center, which is a $100,000 increase. Keep in mind, he also has Stanley Cup champion on his resume. I mean, you're pretty much paying the same as last year. I don't know what the big deal is, and... I don't think like Eddie's Eddie's gonna be. A, I mean, he's not gonna be just declining the rest of his career. It's, no, he's gonna be the same guy. He'll bounce back. He's a steady player. Uh, he's not gonna regress. I, no. I mean, not really anywhere to regress from. Eddie will probably chip in around 15, 15 20 points a year and play, play pretty a good very, de- and play a hard game in the corners and good defense. Physical, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I, I don't hate the deal. Um, we don't really have a choice because it's binding, and it's our, and it, no one really had a choice on the decision besides uh, one guy. So, and it, out of the organization's control, and we'll see what happens next year when he's a, I believe, he's a UFA next year. So, we'll see. Now, I guess there's one more thing to t- touch on before we get to Brian O'Reilly, uh, the looming Ivan Barbashev, yep, decision. Um, his agent did tweet that they are looking at options on both sides of the ocean, meaning KHL and And NHL. Um, Ultimately, I don't think the Blues are going to have any problems uh, getting it done. 
But the Could thought of that should Shibok- scare you. Could have another Shabotka on our hands. I don't I think see it's to that, that degree. But, but I think the Blues are more willing to throw money at this guy because of Barbashev how much of is, an impact he had. Barbashev was way better of a hockey player so much better. than Saboka ever was. Oh, yeah. And he's only 23. Exactly. And Barbashev has been highly regarded in our system. Yeah, he's been, we didn't we've draft and him. develop Saboka. People forget that. We did, he came over from Boston, Boston. I believe. Mm-hmm. So we... This guy has been. We've been kind of high he's on this blue. guy for yeah. a long time. There was a time he where did he was get passed to be like a top he did, six. He did get passed up by Robbie Fabry, Fabry's rookie year in camp. Barbashev was supposed to make the team that year. Fabry blew Fabry by him, blew everybody away in that camp. But but Barbashev obviously has has found his game and his role in the NHL. And him and Sonny might fucking work on your third line. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I think it will ultimately get done. I think they're they're really disagreeing on like. Five hundred or seven hundred thousand dollars. That's where the disagreement is. The gap, which I guess is a lot of money to him. I think he wants like more closer to what Sunquist got at like two, two seven. I think, or no, I think it was a little above two million. And you know the Blues are trying to get him at one and a half, which is kind of means a Cup champ, and he was a big part of it. So uh, we'll see how that goes moving forward. Um, why don't we throw it over to? boss uh but before that before that um just received a uh i don't know if you saw it yet but uh received a text from mr gable Kleffner with a screenshot of a blues blog tweet oh and it's hilarious mock trade oh boy these are never good no they're literally always horrible these are puke (laughs) it never works stl sends Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Zach Sanford, and Alex Steen to Colorado for Miko Rantanen. I'm and why? What is that? Literally, why would any GM want to do yeah, that? Yeah, Colorado. Now? We're gonna give you like our top two prospects, which is sick for you know a guy that's not much older than them and disgusting, a budding superstar. Yeah, literally, yeah. And uh, we're gonna throw in a cap dump in Steen. And a bottom six player. What the fuck is the draw there <laughs> if you're the Avs? <laughs> what the fuck is that trade? That's puke. That doesn't work is. at all. No draft picks. Anyway, just, yes, just, Mal, just, just Here's gonna, four guys. and we'll Here's take four them. guys, two of them, and we're not even high on. One of them's actually about to retire, and he just makes way too much money for the role the, he our, plays. And here's our two best young prospects in our system. Yeah. And, and one of them, yeah, he's probably going to be a, t- a top two center one day, but... uh. Yeah, Miko Rantanen's like a top five player at his position. I mean, I just don't understand that. <laughs> like, why would one wild Colorado do that? I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't Let's get just it smell four guys out of our starting lineup for one. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes you a better team. So, Jesus Christ. Enough, t- enough uh, free advertisement of that account. God, they suck. Why don't we throw it over to Brian O'Reilly? Uh, super cool interview, about an hour long. Let us know how it is. Uh, tried to get a lot of information out of him. He gave us a lot of information, so hope you guys enjoy. Special guest Ryan O'Reilly's father, Brian O'Reilly. Um, he's a high he he's a high performance internal psychology transformation coach. Is that correct, Brian? Yep. Uh, we were reading up on you a little bit. Uh, is it true that you you were in, you're in a little bit of a not a dilemma because obviously you're pulling for your son, but uh, you did you do uh, work part time with the San Jose Sharks, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm a high performance coach for the Sharks. 
Uh, and, and do you work, um, you know, with the entire team or do you just work with specific guys in the off season? Um, what goes into like, you know, um, are you, I guess the training side of things, is it more off season based or are you in constant contact with athletes, you know, everywhere? Yeah. Uh, rather than get, you know, too into the opposition or, you know, how it is, um, on these, you have to be careful in these areas. What I do as a high performance coach is I manage the culture in the sense of I introduce internal psychology to the players, the coaches, the organization. And then what I do is I remove all the external psychology that is going on that prevents teams from being effective and increasing their compete level and quality of play. And I do that on multiple teams, multiple sports. I'm in businesses. I'm in schools. Uh, I do a ton of that in marriage counseling. Um, I do a ton of it in uh, working with um, coaches directly uh, it's it's all kinds of you know work that anything to do with relationships and people learning how to get the best out of people now did you <laughs> excuse me uh now did you get started in the athletic side of things or have you kind of grown into that like uh working with athletes like i'm assuming you started as more of just like a like a general kind of just working on relationships, like you said, just in general. And now you've kind of, you know, taken that to, you know, implementing that with your son's careers and, and things along those lines. So did that, did that kind of come as, as you've got more into it? Well, my passion for what I do, I started human potential plus as a company. I knew what I wanted to do when I was in grade 11. And that's kind of when I started Human Potential Plus. And basically, I grew up in a, in a background with a lot of alcohol and drugs. And um, I was the youngest of, you know, five kids um, who lived kind of the Irish motto at the time of life. Is this a private fighter? Can anyone get into it? And uh, um, I had a lot of, you know, personal struggles. Um, I guess because of the background I had, um, uh, reading and writing was very difficult for me. I only read and write about grade three, grade four, and had tremendous difficulty in high school. But there were some great teachers who saw that I could um, question and inquire. And basically, you know, I just began to study on my own anything or anyone I could find. I'd go to lectures. I would go to all kinds of Eastern and Western philosophy, religion. I checked it all out and um, eventually, uh, you know, was an athlete myself. Sports for me was my way out of my craziness of my home. So I became a fairly good swimmer, very good volleyball player. Uh, I started in hockey and I loved the game, but my brothers and my dad would show up at the rink and be drunk and fight in the crowd. So I was so embarrassed. So I gave that up because I couldn't take the embarrassment and, um, and then kept my family away from what I was doing. 
And I think all that led me down a different road. And it led me down the road of inquiring into myself and discovering what happiness was. And then I really began to study fitness and took courses in anatomy and physiology. And it was basically, I would find teachers, explain my difficulty to them, and they would help me out. And um, I was allowed to kind of do things more orally and um, expanded my knowledge of fitness and got, got certified and, you know, being a certified fitness appraiser, um, started a pioneer program in Toronto um, with a buddy of mine named Ken Scott and opened a fitness club and, and then, you know, started there. And then I went into social work at Ryerson um, the Polytechnical Institute at the time, it's Ryerson University now, studied social work. They allowed me to put, you know, again, all my essays on tape and all my exams I got to do orally because I couldn't read and write well. And they put all my textbooks on tape. So that, you know, social work, because at the time when I looked at the program, it was about um, social change and social revolution. And I always felt in sport that sport was a way of life. How you, how you actually perform in sports and the challenge of sports is the way you also uh, deal with challenges in life. So I began to integrate some of this stuff, started training athletes. Uh, Norm Clark is a basketball player on the national team, John Carpus, um, uh, 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 Steve Regato, uh, it, it, all these kind of athletes from way back. And then it just ballooned into me working with many athletes because they loved what I was doing. I was using a more uh, Eastern, Western approach to sport training and really getting into the nitty gritty of the psychology, um, the psychology that really messes us up and the psychology that really helps us be successful. So I just began pioneering that and putting it together. And then I started dealing with all the relationships between people and the relationships between athletes and got involved in teams and met a guy at Toronto. I was, I was working with the women's national, uh, the women's uh, university of T uh, Toronto basketball team. And I started putting my stuff there that year. We won a national championship. And then I met a guy by the name of Andy Higgins, and he got me involved with the Olympic Coaches Association, the national coaching program. I began coaching coaches about coaching and how to connect with athletes and what internal psychology is and, you know, how you get in your athlete's way, a teaching self-evaluation as a method of uh, changing behavior. So it just all kind of blossomed from that. That's uh, really cool. Uh by the way, you have Sam here right now. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us. Uh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting take you have there about uh, sports and the psychology behind everything that goes into sports. Uh, I think from the outside looking in, most people would only look at the physical aspects behind, uh, behind sports and how players work. But it's interesting to see how you really focus on the psychology and the mental side of that. Uh, but being that uh, you got out of hockey a little earlier in your life, I'm curious how you ended up getting the misses behind putting the kids through hockey. And uh, what was your first reaction whenever they finally put their uh, first pair of skates on and how that all worked out? Well, um, you know, you, we live in a very rural 
area. We moved out of Toronto. I met my wife at university at, at Ryerson. We moved out of Toronto um, and we came up here to Huron County, which is about three hours from Toronto Northwest. And um, we, you know, get involved in the community and up here, hockey is the thing to do. Uh, it's the biggest thing going kind of thing. So we naturally just put our kids into that. And my wife is a great athlete. She was uh, four times um, athlete of the year at, at, at Ryerson. She was a basketball player. So she's got a lot of uh, af- athletic skills. So um, we both come from very athletic families. My father was a professional soccer player in Ireland. And, and I, I guess sport was the thing that I knew to do with all the energy I had and the troubles. <clears throat> so she came from an Irish Catholic family too that had some alcoholism in hers. So I think she turned to sport, I turned to sport. So our kids are gonna <laughs> go into sport. So we loved it so much. It was such a big thing in our life. So I can remember the first day um, I took uh, Snook uh, to the, the arena and uh, and, oh, sorry, uh, Ryan is Snoop. Yeah, I, I picked Snoop. up on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, we took Snoop to the arena, and he was about two and a half. And uh, he was seeing his brother, who's, you know, five years older than him, skate. Well, as soon as he put the skates on and, you know, you lift him up, his legs started going so much. So he was kicking me. So I kind of had to hold him out from my body, brought him to the ice. I just put him down on the ice, and off he went, <laughs> you know. And he was like, a, well, he was like a little maniac. He, you know, he didn't know how to stop. He would go right through the boards, you know, bounce off the boards, get up, come the other way, bounce off the boards. It was really kind of funny. Um, and that just, you know, the game of hockey is, you know, we had a sports pad. We, we opened up a, um, a parent model group home. So we had lots of foster kids. We would do tons of recreation with the foster kids. And we always had a sports pad. So the kids were always playing hockey on the sports pad. And, and you know, like the love of the game was they, they just played for hours and hours and hours. You couldn't get them off. You know, whether it was winter, summer, rain, sleet, <laughs> hot, like they just had to play. <laughs> so that's kind of how our, we got involved in hockey. Uh, it's awesome to hear. This is, uh, this is Marky, by the way. And, uh, now you mentioned the sports pad. Uh, me and Sam, we've been uh, we've been playing roller hockey our, almost our whole lives. And uh, one of the things I noticed a couple years ago, uh, your other son Cal was uh, playing in a tournament called the Palma Pro Invitational at State Wars here. And it was here in St. Louis. Oh yes. Just, it, yeah. Uh, there was a rumor flying around that Ryan was going to play on the team too. He was on the roster and everything, but so obviously what it was the and I'm pretty sure it was the summer as soon as he got traded. And that obviously that's probably why he didn't play. But uh, <laughs> I was just kind of wondering if, if uh, both of them had pl- played roller hockey growing up or was it pretty much ice? Or like you said, did they just kind of play all year round? They played a ton of roller hockey. They, they would have in the summertime, they were on the roller blades playing on the sports pad. Um, hockey was year round. Um, they ate, drank, and slept hockey. How many times did I go into their bed and they're there with the roller skates on or they're sitting on the couch under the towel and they're asleep and I got to take their skates off. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 
dedicated. Yeah. Well, it wasn't dedication. <laughs> you know, obsession. It, it isn't like. Well, I don't think it's obsession either. I, I think it's you know, if you look at the psychology of it, every single human being has this very special place in their brain. It's like your personal Shangri-La, and you have one too. And it's as easy as this. It, let's say you wake up in the morning, and in that Shangri-La picture, you have a, a perfect cup of coffee. And it could be Starbucks, or it could be McDonald's, or whatever it is. It's there. And these pictures that we have in our mind of what we really love, we do anything to get them. So if you drive and your, you know, your Starbucks you go to is closed, you might drive six blocks out of your way and be five minutes late for work because you want that coffee. Well, I think when you're educated correctly, you're taught to follow and do what you love to do. Unfortunately, our education system isn't like that. We kind of tell people what to do, which is not very healthy. But when kids have this passion and love for what they do, they naturally, you know, just do it. Like, you know, we would come home from, uh, in our area, we would sometimes have to drive, let's say, to Windsor. Now, that's a four-hour drive for us to play. We would drive four hours there in the morning, come back, play our game, come back, and as soon as the van door would open, they'd say, Dad, I'm going up, up the shed to shoot pucks. Like, they just did that. I never pushed them, never told them what to do, what they should do or shouldn't do. They loved it, so they did it. And when you don't, you know, say this to parents all the time, don't interfere. Like, your job as a parent is shut up and pay the money. Don't expect anything from it. Let the kids enjoy it and stay out of it. I, I, lo I honestly love that perspective because, you know, even nowadays with, with Ryan still playing in the NHL and obviously here in St. Louis, we have our eyes on him more than, more than anyone. But, uh, you know, you see like, you know, media members and, and, and just people in general seem to, seem to notice Ryan's work ethic. And, and as you've hinted at, he's just always been that way. He's always, as you said, eat, sleep, drank hockey. And he's always the, the guy after practice, you know, 30 minutes and trying to bring others with him and, and, and doing things along those lines, whatever it is. It could be even the most yes. minor things. Uh, but it's just how, I guess, he, he operates. And, um, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, now, well, you when, think, you, when you do what you love also, Makes it a lot easier. There's, well, there's 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 very little pressure. Mm -hmm. Like an example of this, we have this big golf tournament that we run every year, a family golf tournament. And, you know, his team is tied with another team and it's one shot. And, you know, one of these one of the guys, uh, one of the nephews, his name is Michael Yasher. He's a great golfer and he takes up this shot and he makes the shot and it's about you know, 12 inches from the hole. Well, Snoop just steps up, boom, four inches from the hole. <laughs> and, and like, it's in these moments, like it's in these moments, you see the competitive nature kind of comes out. And, you know, another example of this is I coach a lot of beach, vo beach volleyball and he comes down and 
he'll play, you know, some of the teams he'll get involved in drills because he just loves the competitiveness. Well, he's so focused and, and so into it that if he loses, like he's upset. Like he just expects this standard from himself because he's doing what he loves. And believe me, like he's not a terrible volleyball player, but when you're going up against athletes that, that play volleyball, 24 7 and you expect to win that's what he expects of himself he will not you know criticize his partner he like he's worked on all the deadly habits that destroy relationship he you know hopefully he's at a place and we've always tried to raise all our kids this way is unhappy people ineffective people are always evaluating other people happy people successful people always self-evaluate they don't, when shit happens, they don't go outside themselves. They look in their heart and they say, what am I doing to make the situation worse? What can I do to make it better? Well, when you love something, you do that and you do it naturally. If you understand what's really going on, all the battle is between your ears, the physical and all the people in the NHL, they're all great, skilled, great skaters, like way above average but teams are made and built by the ability to produce quality under pressure and the only way they can do it is if their big fat ego is gone and the more the less ego they have the greater they'll play together the more egos there are on the team it destroys the relationships they don't play for the right reasons they're just playing for themselves and therefore they're losing the love of the game yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, now. I'm, you don't have to talk about this too in depth if you don't feel like it, but uh, it kind of reminds me of the the comments you had made when he was still in Colorado. Almost that exact same, you know, sentiment of you know, yeah. you know, guys are or teams are always looking for intrinsically motivated people, and and Brian is just that. But very rarely do you really find them in the NHL, um, and and I think that's pretty cool that. Uh, you know, he just happens to be one of those guys, and that's really what separates him, honestly. His work ethic and, and his drive to always be, you know, better and his, his competitive edge, and, you know, and, and that clearly, as we saw this year, wore off on, on this team here. Yeah, you know, it, it did. Um, I, I think, you know, what happened about the Colorado thing, I can take full responsibility for that. I am very passionate about what I do, and when I know the integrity of people, I'll stand up for anybody. And when you make it about stuff that is so untrue, and media tends to do that. Like media is always looking for a story. They always want to, you know, find the line that's going to catch and sell. And when we do that, <clears throat> we're not about removing what's false and holding up the truth. And the truth is something that everyone can see it. You know, and what I said about this, you know, response to, I don't know who it was, Dater or whatever. And it's so funny because Dater and I are really good friends. Like, like we, you know, we talked, we got together after I went over to his place and there's no judgment on mine on, like, I'm not going to evaluate Dater as a, as a person, but I will stand up for anybody, whether it was my son or anyone's son, if I'm asked and support the truth about the person, the good in the person. 
And we're so trained, like our brains are so addicted to the negative and, and tearing people down. Like it's an art today, you know, and people are make billions of dollars off of tearing people down. And that shows the sickness in our psychology. So, a, yeah, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, that's an interesting take that you have on that again. Um, there's a whole bunch that goes into it whenever you're talking about obviously the mental side and, and all behind that media and they're just trying to get clickbaits and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. It's gotta be tough to stay out of that kind of thing as, as a professional athlete and just stay focused on yourself. So it's, so it's quite remarkable that some NHL players and just professional athletes are able to do that and stay so under the radar radar, kind of like Ryan has the past uh, year or so. Yeah, it is. And, and probably, you know, when I look back now, that's kind of one of the regrets I, I, I have, I shouldn't have said anything, um, but you know what, you know, if I see an injustice, like, can't ever blame times, yourself for defending your son. I mean, <laughs> well, well, no, but, but the thing is, or anyone, is that, yeah, like, you know, my, my family laughs at me because like, if I'm, if I'm down in Toronto and I see some woman getting mistreated, I'll get out of my car and stop it. If I see two guys fighting, I'll get in the middle of it. Like, I don't know why I'm a freaking idiot, but, <laughs> but like, I don't believe that, like, I believe people are better than this. And, and, you know, if you look at, I don't know, if you look kind of like, if there's a poster child for external psychology, what's wrong with the world, what, that's what I love about Trump. He's showing us what the world is and how much damage that guy has done just to human rights and, and women and children that it's kind of wonderful because he's waking up the world to how we are. And if we don't change, if human beings don't really change and look at how we're destroying the earth, how we're destroying our marriages, how we're destroying our schools, how, you know, the, the psychology of the world is now linked so heavily to psychiatry. And you have all these people going around doing all these shootings. And then you cover up the shootings. You cover up the fact that most of them are on psychotropic medication by their, by their shrink or their doctor. And, and like all this kind of disconnection, well... Sport to me is the avenue that can change the world. These athletes are in a position where they can influence people and they can take their sport and they can literally be what the Olympics used to be. And when the Olympics started, it wasn't about, it was about the best athlete was the Olympiad who showed the best character, who faced the greatest adversity and remained disciplined and moral in what they did and to me that's huge yeah i mean i i completely agree with everything you just said i can't really argue with it and if i did you'd probably uh probably be able to outsmart me <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i don't know about that but but there are great uh, like you look at Sidney crosby like the guy is a great human being yeah, that's true. I mean, there's no, you know? I mean, people hate on him because of, you know, he's, in my opinion, 
one like the best ever, but you know, it's yeah. It's 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 when you, when you're a guy like that when you have no it's same thing with Tom Brady. There's nothing bad ever about him. So, you know, like you were saying in, in your words like, you know, unhappy people will find ways to to yes. criticize those kind of those kind of people. The guys that don't have one bad word said about them and, you know, they seem to be, you know, the most successful people in the world. Yes. Or at least at what they do. Well, for sure. And 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 that's woven so deeply to criticize. We even think there's such thing called constructive criticism. And and if you ask yourself this question, like I don't know if you're married or if you have a girlfriend, but the next time they give you some of their constructive criticism, I bet you any money you won't say, gee, thank you, honey. I really love you now. <laughs> uh, you made us really close. Well, you yeah. know, I mean, I've never really thought about it that way, but that's that's true. Well, coaching, coaching is like that's one of the habits, you know, uh, I'm, you know, working tremendously with coaches is how do you coach self-evaluation without using criticism? And and it's really easy to do once you understand how the brain works and what the psychology of internal psychology is because then you're using it you're helping people look at their own behavior and find out if what their behavior is doing is taking them to what they want and you don't have to use criticism for that every time you criticize your wife your athlete, it's like putting a nail in the coffin of that relationship and you'll never get those fucking nails out. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have probably hey, said that, right? No, no one cares. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we just, <laughs> we just, we don't see that, you know, like, it, like criticism is, is killing our marriages. You know, when's the last time someone's criticized you, looked at them in the eye and said, gee, thanks a lot. That was really helpful. Yeah, it's true. You know, but anyway, we're addicted to it. That's just one of the habits we're addicted to. But anyway, sorry. I, yeah, maybe no, absolutely. I, I, maybe I digress, but go ahead. Absolutely. We love it. Yeah, we to, I think we all couldn't agree more. Uh, just to shift topics a little bit here. Sure. Uh, just talk us through what Ryan's day with the Stanley Cup was like. And if you dreamed about it as a kid, was it everything it expected to be? And how that day went with the family? <laughs> well, it, it was kind of funny. Um, years ago, Boyd Devereaux, uh, playing for Detroit, won the Stanley Cup, and he brought it to our hometown. And Snook and Cal wouldn't go near it. And Snook said, I'm not touching it until I win it. I and love he, that. And he was, he must have been about 10. You already so, had in his mind. That's unreal. Absolutely. And 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 when Snoop when Snoop brought it home here, Cal said, "I may not touch it as a player, but I'll touch it as a coach." Now that's awesome. I I don't think I've ever heard that, especially as a fan, or if anyone's really heard that. So that's that's quite remarkable to hear. Yeah, and you know when when we brought it home, it was so amazing because my mom, who's ninety nine, and she still skypes the boys. Um, she, well, she FaceTimes the boys and she texts the boys and emails the boys and, you know, she lets them know about their games and, you know, how did you do and how do you feel when you play and all that kind of stuff. And, um, she's 99 and, and she got a ride with the Stanley cup. 
they brought her up on the in the fire hole, uh, the fire truck bucket, with the Stanley Cup and Snook, and oh my gosh, like to have my mom do that at ninety nine, and she was like she's with it, <laughs> like she's present the whole time. Then she went through the parade, and it was just awesome. So that was one major major uh, thing for me to see and and be a part of. And then when he brought the Stanley Cup. Um, he brought it home. He came down in a helicopter and, uh, and then all our family and friends were there. Bonnie has a family of 14 brothers and sisters. There's like 60 something odd cousins. They're all there. And the, my family, a few of them were there. Um, and anyway, it was, it was our friends and just, you know, him walking in and, and his capacity to share it and with the community in Seaforth and he did the community in Godrich, the poor kid was smiling and taking pictures for about eight hours and trying to get some food in him and keep him hydrated. And he was such a trooper. He knows that the Stanley Cup isn't about him. It's about all the people who've supported him. And he was so gracious in that. Um, and and to me, like I, I'm totally, totally like love the fact that he won, and I'm you know happy about the trophies he won, the con Smythe, and this. I'm, but my highlight is he lived into something that we've been drilling into our kids. When you see quality, honor it. And he's going through some store in Boston, and he sees a kid on a guitar, and he said to me afterwards that kid's got a quality about him and right away he just bought him the guitar now to me that's the stanley cup yeah i mean moments like that you just you can't put a price on or anything like that it's pretty pretty remarkable it is and you know what i could give you 10 other things yeah, I mean, I mean, he's from everything I've heard, and just from talking to you and everything you see in the media. I mean, this guy doesn't have a bad quality about him. It seems like, but uh, well, when... he has his flaws. But, <laughs> uh, he he definitely does, and you know, I could yeah. I I could name those like he could name mine. But the, <laughs> but but the bottom line is, he puts relationship first. And to me, there is no greater misery in life if you cannot give love and get love you want from the people you want in your life. And that's the source of all our emotional pain is that lack of connection. Yeah. You can't so, put a price on it. No, you can't, you know, you know, we, we don't get upset. You know, we get upset. Okay. A car doesn't start or, you know, there's a, a leak in the house, the roof or something. But when you lose someone you love, there's no greater pain. And learning the art of connection and staying connected to the people in your life, you love and you need. To me, that's that's living your life to the fullest. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty incredible mindset to have, and probably one everyone uh, everyone in this world should have. Not enough not enough people do. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch on back to Ryan's day with the cup. Um, yep. Growing up, I me and my family playing hockey are in in uh the st louis area we grew to become pretty close with the maroon family I've, oh yeah yeah i've known them since i was probably six years old or so 
yeah. Pat's uncle has been my coach for years. But nice. uh, one thing that I can tell already just in common between Pat and uh, Ryan, that how um, connected they are with their communities and that they didn't make the cup day just about them. They <laughs> Pat, Pat brought it to our, uh, our local rink that I've played at for years that his uncle runs. And nice. had a bunch of close friends and family there that all got to take pictures and uh, and see the cup, touch the cup, everything like that. And whenever I got whenever I got to talk to Pat, he was just buzzing around the entire day, just taking taking picture after picture after picture, talking to everybody he could. I, he he probably shook every hand in the arena, which was pretty <laughs> pretty ridiculous. But uh, that's awesome. It's just, yeah, it's just the kind of guy he is. But um, Pat it really sounds yeah, it really and I can uh. It really, I, from what I remember, Ryan tagged along towards the the uh, the end of the day or towards the middle of the day with Pat. Did he not? On uh, uh, Pat's day, I, I think he did. That could be. I uh, I don't have any knowledge of that personally. Uh, it just seems like like Pat and Ryan have such similar personalities that they're uh, pretty close together. Well, they're wild Irishmen. <laughs> um, uh. Come on. You saw that picture, him holding up the Guinness, and I don't know what Patty had in his hand. Oh yeah, yeah. They, I think they come about it honestly. That, that's Pat's uh, Twitter profile picture now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a it it's a pretty unbelievable picture. Uh, it is. Just, just gonna jump into a few things uh, that are more quick. Yeah. Uh, you were on the dad's trip this year, were you not? The father's trip. Yes. Uh, just kind of wanted to get like what what uh, first of all, what kind of what does that mean to you? First of all, second of all, what was your favorite part of that trip? You know, they were, uh, it was in the, the Florida trip, you know, they, they beat the Panthers three to two and then they, you got to see the, probably the best game the Blues played all year, the one, nothing overtime victory. Um, you got to see your son score in Florida. Um, kind of take us through that. Um, well, I just remember being on the trip and, um, I had some really good conversations with him, um, you know, I think things were, things were beginning to change. And, um, I could feel it in him because his conversation was changing with me. And, um, I think, you know, that victory, I think we, um, I can't remember which game it was. It could have been, um, God, how many games did we go to then? I think we went to either was it two or was it three games? I can't remember now. I think I get. My, I think I two. My, yeah, I, I think it was just Florida and Tampa. Yeah, I'm sure you've been on them before, so they get mixed up. But yes, they this do. year I believe it was Florida and Tampa. Yeah, I just remember after one of the victories, um, I think th- there was a, something clicked with the team, and we felt the possibility of what we could be. And again, <laughs> I'm going to say something that's kind of really outlandish here, but you know, maybe you'll kind of have a sense of it, but maybe you won't. When the brain is quiet and athletes are really internal and connecting, you, you kind of, a group of people can get into their creative system in their brain. Now, just let me explain this a little bit. Um, let's say um, you're with a buddy of yours or a group of a group of friends, and 
one of the friends says something to you, criticizes you and cuts you to the quick, okay? And you're really shocked, okay, by this, what this guy said. And it really hurt you. But because all your friends are there, you cover it up and you pretend it didn't hurt, okay? Then what happens is you're going to bed at night, you lie down, you fall asleep, and you get up in the middle of the night or something to take a leak, and you're sitting on the toilet, and all of a sudden what comes to your mind is the perfect retort. You said, I should have said this, okay? Now, that is your brain facing a problem and trying to find a solution to cover up the pain emotionally. And this is the remarkable thing about the brain. I believe that was the turning point of the team because something happened between them where they all got into their creative system in a very positive way. And in sports psychology, they call it the zone. Well, I don't like calling it the zone because it's like a place that, you know, you have to get into. I really believe that when your relationships are really good with the people you're with, and you feel connected, then you become creative together. Because every brain looks and accepts each other. And, and this is, I, I say this all the time, five people that like each other, really care about each other, will do the work of 50 people that don't. It's not about what you know or the talent you have. It's about people getting creative together. And I remember when we left that father's trip, everyone was a buzz because we saw them in their creative system. And I think they really got a sense of how good they were. It began there. So I guess that, that would be uh, your favorite part. Nothing about the games, just you no. felt that psychological shift almost. Well, yeah, and you know what? I'm always, I'm always preoccupied with that. I'm all like, I'm doing it now when I'm talking to you. Like, I don't yeah. want this to be an interview that, like, I'm not about that. I'm not going to be about, you know, how important this or that is. I'm going to speak from what's quality for me because, because I want to be genuine with you. And yep. if you don't, you don't like it, like that's okay. Like, but I'm, I'm me, and you take me or you leave me. Like. <laughs> You know, and as I take or, or leave you, but I want to leave you with some type of connection. So I'd be honest with you. And yeah. to me, that was the, the pinnacle of the trip for me. That's really interesting. Uh, most people would think that every dad would have a favorite part of like maybe one of the games that uh, your son has played or maybe a goal that they scored. But to see that yeah. you're thinking of, you're thinking of the mental and again, the psychology, the psychology behind everything in that mental shift between the players, that's really interesting to hear because uh, not often I bet you hear that answer a lot. Well, hey, your kid scores a goal, big deal. Who gave him the puck? <laughs> exactly. I guess an well, assist is always better than a goal. Well, no, but I'm saying like, so what the kid put the puck in the net? The kid should go thank the kid that passed him the puck and say, hey, without that pass, I wouldn't have scored. Uh, yeah, and this leads in perfectly. We've had an inside joke between a lot of our friends and whatever. We've noticed Ryan specifically, it, it hits the nail right on the head with what you just said. When he scores a goal, 
We always see him fix his helmet for whatever reason, even though it's not fixed and doesn't really need to be fixed, <laughs> and points right at the guy who made the play every time yeah. without fail. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, you're darn right. And he's heard <laughs> it from he was very little. Give credit where credit is due. Honor people's quality. If you score, where'd the puck come from? That's the source. Honor the source. That, that uh, you know, I wasn't really expecting that, but, you know, I thought it was just kind of like a little habit that he kind of <clears throat> just, you know, kind of developed over playing. But, you know, it's just who he is. And, well, you know, that shouldn't if, surprise me. Yeah. Well, guys, if, again, if you have a girlfriend or you have a wife, Every time you honor when she does something for you, she's going to probably do it more. Yep. And that's the case with anything, any relationship in your life. I Absolutely. Feel like. Absolutely. Yep. And, and when you, when you do things, you know, you want to do things for people who do things for you. Like it's a natural give and take that what relationship is in any relationship where one person gets all their needs met and the other person doesn't get out of the relationship. It's screwed. Well, I think we all, I think we all pretty much agree with that, uh, how important race relationships are within uh, everything that we do. It's important to keep those uh, pretty A1. Uh, just curious here, beside uh, talking on different topics right now, uh, are there any players that you like – uh, model your training after? Are there any players that you admire more than any others outside of your sons that, that play hockey even today or maybe in the past? Well, I was always deeply impressed by Gretzky because his mindset was, you know, totally in a different place. I know a, a story about Gretzky um, that an athlete I was working with told me when he was coaching, he was really frustrated with the team and he kind of brought the video in and kind of showed the team, you know, he asked them, okay, where's the puck going to end up, guys? And no one answered him. <clears throat> and <laughs> Gretzky said, well, Wayne in this fashion kind of went, well, if this is happening here and this guy's here and the puck shot in from here at the speed it shot in and this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to Well, <laughs> the guys looked at each other and they said, Wayne, we don't see that. We don't get that. And it really, again, shows that, you know, he's played the game at a higher level inside himself. His creative system was unbelievably active most of the time. So he would see things and pick up on things. So he would be a player for me uh, um, that is awesome. Um, and another one is, okay, well, I'm going to say Edmonton. <laughs> and, and you know why I'm saying Edmonton, right? Because Connor McDavid, like, you know right. what? <laughs> uh, um, he's another very good human being. Now, again, uh, to me, Edmonton's a sleeping giant. If, if you taught Edmonton internal psychology and got the coaches practicing it, I think they'd build a dynasty. Because... They have all the tools. The only problem there is the relationships. They don't have the relationships because they really, they've got such a blend of, of kids and, and, you know, a guy like Connor McDavid. 
oh my gosh, she's such a good human being and such a good person. And it's so, I feel so sad for him because if he got those relationships worked out, um, I think he would even be better. He'd be like Gretz. Like, he'd be that good. Well, maybe maybe Ken Howland can get that sorted out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe Ken Howland has a psychology degree we don't know about. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll give well, you a there's call. Lot of, yeah, well, there's, not, there's a lot of people with psychology degrees. They're not doing what I'm doing. You know, I, I, I honestly don't know anyone else that I've come across that does what I do. Because it's 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 not about it's not about um, you know motivating people. You can't motivate anybody. If you could motivate people, to, like the world would be easy. Like you know, if again, if you're married or you have a girlfriend, you think she can mo- motivate you that not to drop your clothes or your pajamas down on the floor to or to make your bed like. You know, like I would be perfect right now if if I could be motivated from outside sources because my wife would have fixed me. It doesn't work that way. Motivation isn't purely internally driven. Because even if you, you know, people think they're motivated by money, they're not motivated by money. They're motivated by the things that money brings them that they identify with, which is these pictures in their head that give them what they want. It's yeah. all to do with the pictures in your head. That's yeah. why you got to be very careful of the pictures you place in your head that you're, they're realistic pictures. Cause if you, they're not realistic, you won't ever be happy. Yeah. Love that. Keep talking about, keep talking about all these relationships here and, uh, Let's throw it back uh, maybe a little over a year now where Ryan had to break off a bunch of relationships with Buffalo. What was yep. your uh, what was an initial reaction from you whenever you had found out that Ryan was going to be headed to St. Louis? And what did you think might have occurred after he arrived and maybe uh, gameplay and how, how that would benefit Ryan? Well, <clears throat> um, what happened in St. Louis to me was fascinating because he's like his old man. He tells the truth. And he said, I'm so sick of losing. I'm so sick of culture that's okay with losing. He wanted to stay in Buffalo. Excuse me. He loved Buffalo. Um, I got to know the Belugas, sorry, the Bagulas a little bit. And uh, Terry's wife, great lady. Terry's a great guy. And he had no intention of leaving. Like it was a shock when, when like, he wanted to be there and fix it. Like, like one of the things that's really important about uh, we've raised our kids anyway, that the bigger, the challenge and the more pressure jump towards pressure, never away from it. Cause if you jump away from pressure, then you are setting yourself up for self-criticism. And if you criticize yourself, it's a nail in the coffin inside your own heart. So when there's pressure, jump in, jump towards it, never away from it. So when he left Buffalo, he was devastated. And then when he came to St. Louis and then Buffalo was doing great, he came to me, we had a talk, and I said to him, I said, Snook, 
I've watched Buffalo play now. And I said, it's not internal psychology driven. Buffalo is going to fall apart. I don't know what St. Louis is going to do, but it's been a good move. And he agreed. And then I think about a month and a half after that, they changed the coach and it took off. So, you know, if you would ask me <laughs> November, December, that St. Louis was going to win a Stanley Cup, I would have said, oh, I think you might be dreaming. Yeah, I think but, a lot of people in St. Louis could have said that. <laughs> yeah, but again, as soon as you as soon as you create the relationships and an understanding of what quality looks like and people buy in to each other, you can achieve anything. All this is truly fascinating to all three of us, I think. And one thing I want to ask, I, as you said that you told Ryan that you could tell that it wasn't internally driven in the Buffalo locker room with how well they were doing. Yep. If you don't mind me asking it, what was the sign that you could that you could just kind of tell or read into that like that? Because that, that's that's remarkable to me. <clears throat> well, when you look at again, this is just me. <clears throat> I love to watch the bench. Like I'll watch a hockey game, but I can't keep my eyes off the bench. And I notice when guys have great good shifts or not such good shifts, and watch what happens on the bench. And when you see players getting chewed out and, and aggressiveness, you know that external psychology is being practiced. And where external psychology is practiced on team players, they fall apart. That's how it is. And the more, more external the coach, <clears throat> excuse me, the quicker they fall apart. Yeah, um, <clears throat> not to take too much more of your time, I just kind of wanted to finish off with probably our lightest question so far. Um, sh I'm sh sure you're familiar with former NHLer Sean Avery, yeah? Yes. Uh, we're, uh, I won't say big fans of his playing career, but uh, you know we're all on Instagram, and he's pretty active on that and was active on it during the uh, the playoffs and was kind of a Blues fan towards the end of the stretch because he just – wasn't a big Boston fan, but uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this one specific statement, and it's nothing too serious. It just goes like, if there's a better-looking player in the NHL than Ryan O'Reilly, let me know. He went out of his way to point that out, so I just think that a little bit of credit's got to be given to you, right? No, I think it all comes from his mother. His mother is beautiful. <laughs> <Good answer. laughs> and, and and believe me, she is like her, my my wife. My gosh, she's gorgeous. Um, and she was gorgeous, and and I'm I'm so lucky she chose an ugly guy like me. But but she did. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know when I hear like here's a player. Okay, now here's a player who he was a great player. And I believe he had some real struggles in his past and the psychology he was coached with. And I really think he was probably affected by that. And therefore, he had a harder time. But, you know, 
you can't judge his life. You can't judge him. You know, did he do things that what times were inappropriate? <clears throat> well, okay, yeah. But there's always a story behind that. And the story is always a relationship story. And, and no matter how good you are at something or how beautiful you are, or, you know, it's whoever coined the phrase, everyone's got a story that can break your heart. That's why I really believe no human being should ever evaluate another human being. That should just be stricken from our psychology. Because no one should evaluate another human being. It's, it to me is just terrible thing to do. Um, can I just make another comment about something about Brood Bay? Yep. When he came in, um, he had seen me like this was before, you know, all this hit the fan at St. Louis and the coach was let go. But at the beginning of the season, I bumped into him and he said, Snook said he wanted to talk to me. And I talked to him and he said, look, I saw, I saw you, I heard you speak at the NHL Coaches Association. And he said, it was one of the most powerful talks I've ever heard in my life because you addressed all the habits that I practice and it's changed my life. Well, when he got the coaching job, I tell you, that man is a, a good man. And he's not a good man because what he said to me. But he wasn't getting the coaching job. He was the assistant coach. But he said, it's changed the way I coach. And when I found out he was going to be the coach, I said, Snook, this is wonderful. He's a relationship guy. <laughs> and he's going to figure it out. This is awesome. Because, you know... Snook's the kind of guy that he'll never give up on a coach. Like he'll go to the ends of the earth for the guy, you know, and he did in, in Colorado too. He went uh, for Sacco. He went to the ends of the earth for the guy, appreciated everything he did for him. And, and when Brube got it, I tell you, it's a testament to again, the truth that, Happiness doesn't come from what you do. It comes from how you do what you do. And how he did what he did was through relationship. And one of the, again, there, here's a, this gold piece in my mind, a gold picture in my mind is after the first round of playoffs. And there's a picture of it now, but I saw it is Patty goes right over to Brubay and Brubay throws his arms around Patty. Patty throws his arms around him. And I said, holy shit, there it is. Right there. They're going to win. And they, they did. Like, that to me was a winning moment. That coach can reach out and be that authentic and that clean and that clear and and Patty was too. You could feel the synergy brewing. So that's a candid moment for me about hockey. Yeah. Because you could feel it. It was genuine. It was quality. 
it was authentic. And when people are authentic with each other, great things happen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think all three of us have uh, truly enjoyed this. Uh, you had a lot of fascinating takes, and uh, we don't really want to take too much more of your time. So uh, we thank you for coming on and uh, spreading your your wide uh, your your plethora of knowledge and kind of giving us a different look at uh, life, most importantly, and uh, hockey as well. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure, and you know, I I will do anything I can to help um, create environments where kids or people can succeed. Like that's, you know, the world needs a lot of love and needs a lot of care. And it also needs high performance. <laughs> like it's yeah. our high performance times that make us and break us. Mm-hmm. And we have to have the psychology of high performance. And that is connection, not disconnection. So anytime I can help out, I will do my best to, to set it up. Well, once again, we couldn't thank you enough for just okay. for all this. And uh, it's, it's been a truly uh, inspiring conversation for sure. I, I think I speak for all three of us in that. So. Well, thank you. Anytime, guys. Yeah. Thank you for your time once again, Brian. Take care. All right. See you. Bye. And again, we want to thank Mr. Brian O'Reilly for coming on the pod. Really enjoyed that. Hope you guys did, too. What was your favorite part? Marky Hager. I mean, this guy had me thinking for the whole hour. Um, I got two things. Let I'll, me see if I'll, you agree. I'll let you give. Yeah. I'll give one. You give one. All right, that's fair. My top one. I, I asked him. I, I, yep, I know where you're going. I asked him. I was hesitant. But I asked him about the email that he wrote into the Denver Post. And he owned it. Didn't regret it. Some of you guys may not have known about that. But he pretty much... Called out the Abs organization yeah. for, for not signing his son when he was a restricted free agent or, or pretty much holding out, kind of like what's going on in the rest of the league now. Dear fuck. But uh, he owned it and uh, took full responsibility and uh, and g- even gave his thoughts on why he did it. So, you know, I that was that was pretty cool to me. That was the first thing that stuck out to me. How about you? So, I mean, throughout the entire interview, just his whole philosophy around everything of – how he views life and what he looks into and every aspect of his life and what goes on around him. He's always thinking about the mental side of things. Um, probably the coolest thing that I thought was that he said was whenever Ryan uh, came to him, whenever we were complete dog shit and Buffalo was on that like 10 game tear. And he was just like, I mean, what the fuck's going on? And Brian's just like, don't worry about it. It'll fall apart. They don't have that. They're, they're not mentally in it or whatever, whatever word he said. I don't remember what it exactly was, but he... They don't preach internal psychology. Boom, yeah. He noticed that simply just by watching them play and watching their bench and how the whole team reacted to everything and all everything. that He literally knew they were going to fall apart, and holy fuck, did they fall apart. Yeah. It wasn't even, wasn't even close to the playoffs. Goodbye, spot. Mike Grinnell. Yeah, literally. Buffalo hates that guy. Um, it makes sick shirts. And I guess, I guess another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, when he... Pretty much identified like, holy shit, we're gonna win the cup. Is is kind of he said when when Patty and, and Craig uh, Berube um, embraced after after uh, he, uh, 
game seven against the stars and it and it was mutual. It wasn't like Pat going up to him and be like, Fuck yeah, coach. Like Berube wanted it and loved it just as much as he did. The the I'm talking about like the hug and the embrace. Like, yeah, like that. they were just as genuine. he was just as happy for Pat specifically as he was uh, the the entire team. Like that yeah, he, he knew what that meant, as and, and I think uh, it was just pretty cool how he gave his thoughts on Barube and how he's he's he just knew this was the guy for for the squad. So, yeah. um, you got anything else? No, not really. Cal and uh, Ryan, big roller guys, love that part too. Yeah, you don't hate the roller part. Definitely, no, you don't will hate never hate the roller part. All right, uh, let's get the fuck out of here. A um, little long episode today, but you know what, Brian. And- Gotta love it. I mean, yeah, that interview is decent. So, and and you don't hate long podcasts. No, you I don't. Mean, hate I'm it. in on them. Get you through the workday. Uh, Super <clears throat> fair. Our next pod. Uh, who the fuck knows? Who fucking knows? Probably closer to uh, September, I would guess. Closer to training camp. I well, mean, it's kind of a yeah. dead season for hockey. So once uh, the year gets going, we'll be doing one a week. Yeah, for sure. So uh, until then, we'll be smelling you, smelling you both. And then hopefully, you know, Sammy K decides to fucking show up next time, eh? Super fair. That is super fair. But he was there for the interview. I know you heard him. So that was a big part, big part, and I uh, can't knock him for that. So uh, we'll all be back at a, at a later date. Uh, probably going to have a kick-ass guest. It's kind of what we do now. And, <laughs> so uh, facts. And uh, we'll see you guys then. Enjoy the rest of the off season. Bye. I don't need a miracle, I got something fun.